0: Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, please, in your Bibles, if you have one. If you don't have one today, if you're visiting, we will have it on the screen for you, so don't worry. But John chapter 1, verse 4, I'm entitling this Jesus, Our Life and Light. I'm going to be short this evening, but just want to read you a few scriptures. If you could put the first one up for me, please. John chapter 1 and verse 4, and uh, I'm actually going to read a couple extra verses, but that's the main one. But let me just start with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Praise God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came... For a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe he was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man, and cometh into the world. Praise God. Jesus is that light. Now there's a curious phrase here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I've meditated on that quite a lot over the years. Because it's a very poetic sounding phrase, but what does it really mean? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And of course, there's many things I'm sure you could say about this, but what, 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 struck, what struck me about the scripture that I think is interesting is that, that word life is the Greek word zoe or the life of God. That when the life of God is talked about, it's connected to the power of God. God's life is God's Life. It's His power. It's what heals us. It's what saves us. We can often call the life of God the grace of God. It's, it's, the, it's the help of God to humanity. And it seems that life was always present. In Him was life and the life was the light. God's life is present in dark places. But if people don't know that the life, the power... Is present to save, to heal, to deliver. If they don't know that, how can they respond to it? Yeah. So when the knowledge of the life, when the knowledge of the power comes to somebody, it's really what happens is their mind and heart is illuminated or revelation comes to them that the power of God is, is available. Yeah. Now, what we call that illumination or that revelation is light. So really, it's like the life, the power of God was always there. But until people know about it and the light comes to them, that life can't flow into them. But because the life was the light, they're they're separate, but they're combined. They're together. They're two, but they're one. The life in him was life and the life was the light. So when people get revelation, when they get illumination... When somebody tells them, remember, you can't hear without a preacher, the Bible says, when somebody tells them God can help you, he can save you, he can heal you, he can deliver you. And that light comes on instantaneously with the light comes life because the life was the light and the light is the life. When they see, when they realize the power of God's available to me and they respond to it immediately, that power starts to flow into them. And what happens? That light is that life combined with it. When you see that, that candle in a minute, when we light it, you're going to see that light. Don't just look at it like mental. It's not just mental illumination. There's something spiritual behind and beneath and coming through that illumination called the very power of God. That's what separates us from the other religions. They have what they would consider light and illumination. Do you understand? But there's no life part of it. There's nothing that's alive in it. There's no power to change them on the inside and there's no power to heal them. So when we see this illumination, when people realize the light, when the light comes and they realize that the power of God or the life is available and that light comes to them because that light is life, immediately when they respond, the life of God comes through that light of revelation and it enters them. Now, what happens in the natural when you are dark and you, you have some kind of a light source? Immediately, darkness moves now, the word in the King James says that the darkness comprehended it not. But the Greek word is, it means the darkness could not seize upon it. It means the darkness could not apprehend. Like if the, if the police apprehend you, they take you prisoner. They take you captive. They put you in handcuffs where you're no longer power over your own body. It means, that's what it means. The, the darkness could not arrest the light. It could not overcome the light. It could not apprehend It doesn't just mean comprehend like it couldn't understand it means it has no power over the light and darkness including sickness when the revelation that the power of God is for you when that light dawns instantaneously and you respond to it the life in the light the power in the revelation starts to flow into you and what happens darkness it has no choice it's not an option Darkness has to recede and darkness or sickness has to go. It has to go. All you have to hear is that God's power is available. And if you just say a simple, I respond. Yes. Yes. Immediately life starts to come into you and sickness starts to leave you. To the measure that that happens determines how much you're saying yes. Because the power of God is available for anybody and on any level. I love this verse because it shows me that light and life are connected. Life is the power and light is that revelation. Now have a look at Matthew 4:16. Would you put that up on the screen? The people, Jesus is preaching. Now he's actually quoting the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. So We know that humanity, all of us, now listen, you might, are you, are you, try to understand where I'm coming from. You all have a measure of light if you're saved, but if you're sick, there's still a part of you that's in darkness. Do you understand? Because if you're truly in the full light of the revelation and the full power of God, there will be no darkness in you. There will be no sickness in you. There will be no sin in you. You say, well, how's that possible? Everybody sins. No, no, not everybody sins. Kenneth Hagin, when he, as he was growing older, he said, it's been years since I committed a sin. Is that possible? Absolutely. If you love God enough and you walk in the spirit enough and you follow his word enough and you just say no to every opportunity that comes your way, you can actually live sin free. Any sin is a little bit of darkness. Any separation from God, if you're not saved tonight, there's a lot of darkness because His light's not even in you yet. But even if you're saved, if there's sickness, some part of you has darkness in it. But those that sat in darkness saw a great light. See, they saw it. It, reve- it was revealed to them. It was illuminated to them. Light sprung up. Now, the last verse is John eight twelve. Then Jesus spoke again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you see that? He's saying, I am the revelation. If you'll follow me, if you'll look to me, if you'll respond to me, if you'll receive from me, you won't be in darkness, sickness, torment, anything anymore, but you'll have the light of life. You'll have the revelation Of my power. When we get a revelation of God's power, his power starts to flow. Notice that Jesus said again. Now, John was quoting in John 1, 4 about the light of the light and life in him was life. The life was light of men. But Jesus himself now was saying, if you'll follow me, I'm going to give you the light of life. It's not just about light. All the religions of the world claim illumination. Claim Light. Christianity does not only claim illumination. Far Eastern religions claim that we are are the light path. I'm telling you, if you study it, they all claim that they've got some truth, some light to offer you. But none of them have life. That's the difference between Christianity, between Jesus and Muhammad, Jesus and Buddha. Jesus and Taoism, Jesus and Satanism, Jesus and any other religion is he's the only one that contains the life and the power of God Almighty. None of them have life. That's why the lives of the people that receive their light do not have any change. That is why their body cannot truly be healed. They can mimic Dark forces can mimic healing, but in terms of a true change on the inside of a person and the outside, it takes more than just light of understanding. It takes the life and the power of God connected with that revelation. And Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to give you light and illumination. I'm going to give you the light of life. I'm going to give you a revelation. That's the light of my power. That's the life. If you follow me, no more darkness has to be a part of your life. In any capacity, in any way, shape, or form, because if you follow me, I'm gonna give you a revelation of my power. And when you just respond, instantly that power will come in and will start to make you well. And darkness, like with natural, like in the natural realm, darkness will start to flee. It's a simple revelation, doesn't take long to preach. Notice it says, that he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness." There's people, Jenny, that I've seen over the years that are not followers of God, they're not Christians, they're not born again, but God in that moment out of his mercy will heal them. If they hear about his power and light comes into their heart and they, they, they respond, I didn't know that God wanted to heal me, and they say yes to him, that life and that light will come into them and push out the darkness of sickness. But if they continue on their lives, God can do it to show them and to point them to him. But if they continue on their lives in their own way, rejecting God, rejecting the word of God, rejecting his way of doing things, that life that came into them to push that sickness out, that revelation that they had will start to wane, that life will start to wane. Why? Because you've got to keep following him. He said, he that follows me will not stay in darkness. You can have a moment of light and life and healing in your life and then go back to darkness because you don't want to keep following after him. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, Jesus will certainly heal you tonight. We haven't false advertised on the radio. He will heal anybody because he loves you. But if you want to continue in the revelation of his love, if you want to continue having the life of power flowing into you on a daily basis and not just healing you, but keeping you whole and keeping you in health and keeping you to be able to be strong and say no to sin and to darkness and to perversion, if you want the continuous flow, he'll give you a one-time taste tonight. But if you want the continuous flow, you have to follow him. Because he said, he that followeth me will not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. Hallelujah. God is so kind that, Greg, if you were an unsaved person and I was Jesus and, and you're looking, just look over there straight. And, you, and I said, and, and, and Jesus called to you and said, look to me, I have life. And you looked, you just turned your head. Just that simple gaze, that simple acknowledgement will cause life and light to come in and God will heal him. But if he stays there, Jesus is walking. He said, follow me because he's walking. He's walking. He's moving. Now, Jesus moves on. That person stays there. The longer they stay there, the more distance that's created, that life and that light starts to wane. But he'll do it just at the gaze. Just at the look, he'll do it out of his mercy. But now that person has to get up and walk after him and follow him and give their lives to him. Then that light and life continues on a daily flow and it changes their lives forever. Hallelujah. On Wednesday night, I was sharing, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I, I was sharing just a little bit about how you can receive healing in, in a couple of different ways. There's lots of ways, but one of the two main ways, very simply, is that you can receive healing just by saying, Father, I pray the prayer of faith. I see it in your word. Jesus, you took it from me. I claim it. I take it. I receive it by faith now. Thank you in Jesus' name, without any feelings attached, that your power is working in me. And if you'll do that, according to Mark 11:24, 24, the power of God will work in you, and he will heal you directly. But we said that there was another way as well. And that is when you come and there's a minister that's anointed of the Holy Spirit and power to say, Father, if I can just get to that place. And if that person, remember Jesus laid hands on many sick ones and he healed them. But there were also ones like the woman with the issue of blood. There was also others like her, like the Syrophoenician woman, that it was their faith, like the centurion. It was their faith. It wasn't Jesus's. He wasn't doing much. They were reaching out the hand of faith and saying, I believe. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. But then there were others. He didn't say, according to your faith unto you, because he was there. And all they had to do was respond and say, yes. And the Bible says there were many crowds that came and he laid hands. In one case it says he laid hands on all of them. We don't know how many hundreds of people those were. And it says, and he healed them all. Because they, if they could just respond and receive his anointing and believe that he was there to help them, the power of God would flow through him and into them. Yes. Now we see in Tyre and Sidon and in other places, many of, many people got healed that way. And that's the flow tonight. You want to get healed on your own, praise God. You can get healed in your seat right now. But there's a flow where an anointing can flow through a person and into you. And that is one of the ways that God offers healing. And some people whose faith is not that strong and not that high, this is a wonderful way for them because they may not be able to take it on their own. But if they can just show up where healing is flowing and get in the river, so to speak, the power of God will meet them where they're at. And that's what happened, that Jesus would go and he would minister to people all the time and they would receive that. Then he gets to his own hometown called Nazareth. And they knew him because he saw him as a boy and they knew that he was the carpenter's son. And, they, and he started telling them because Jesus always preached Isaiah 61, everywhere he went, because every new place he had to tell them the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set at liberty those that are bruised. He's, he, he, he's preaching his job description. I'm here to set people free. I'm here to help you. God's anointed me to help you. But the people of Nazareth, because they knew his past, yeah. said, who do you think you are? And Jesus would have told them, if you studied carefully in Mark 6, Jesus would have told them about the miracles in other places because the people wondered and said, what are these stories that we hear from him about these miraculous dealings? Which means he had to tell them, did you know what happened in Tyre and Sidon? Did you know what happened with the centurion? Did you know what happened with the woman with the issue of blood? He's telling them to build their faith. But they said, Who do do you think you are with all these amazing stories? We know who you are. You can't do that. And they couldn't receive from his anointing. And the Bible says not that he wouldn't. He couldn't do any big miracles there. Why? Except he just laid hands on a few people that had minor ailments, the Greek says. Headaches. A little bit of back problems. And he healed the minor issues because the big issues he couldn't have. He couldn't. Not that he wouldn't. He couldn't. Why couldn't he? Because the people wouldn't release their faith. They wouldn't release their faith to say, Jesus, I believe that you're anointed to help me. Why couldn't they release their faith? Because they knew him. They were friendly with him. They were familiar with his past. And that familiarity breeds an unbelief. So it's so much easier for people to come into a service where there's a guest minister. Like Richard Roberts or other people that have a special healing anointing because the people are not familiar with them. They don't really know them. They put them on some kind of a pedestal. And they say, well, that's a special person, and I don't know anything about them, and I don't ever hardly see them. So when they come, I can believe that God's anointed them, and I can receive of that anointing, and I'll be healed. But when a pastor who you see regularly comes amongst you, it's just like Jesus in Nazareth, and there's a tendency to say, I see you all the time. What, what are you talking about? You're nothing special. And, and with that attitude, you can't receive. Unless the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation which I don't choose, but He chooses. Then anything can happen whether you believe or not. But, if, but in terms of you can't, you don't know if the gifts are going to operate. You can't guarantee that they're going to operate because we don't choose them, the Holy Spirit does. Amen. So the only way to guarantee that you can be healed, if the gifts of the Spirit don't operate, if He chooses not to do that, which He does sometimes and He doesn't at other times. He does a lot with people that aren't Christians. He does a lot with people that are baby Christians because they don't know much. But for mature believers that have sat under the word, those gifts do not operate as frequently because he expects the people that have sat under the word to release their faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So a lot of times, Jesus, when he's ministering like tonight, yes, the gifts may operate, but to guarantee that you get what you need, you simply need to release your faith. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I believe that there's an anointing on that man's life and that you put a special power, an anointing of healing power in his hand. I know that sounds like a little bit of Hollywood. It almost sounds a bit alien-like, but that's really what it is. And that if I can just come up to that altar when he calls... And I can just release my faith. I'm trusting you, Father, at the point of contact. We call it a point of contact. You can release your faith at any time. But some people, it helps them. If at the moment, what we call the point of contact, at the moment I make contact with you, that's your cue to say, to in your heart, say, Father, I release my faith. I choose to believe. I thank you for the anointing of God on this minister. And I open my heart to let that anointing come into me right now. I intentionally and consciously believe that when hands are laid on me, I will be healed. That that life will come into me and darkness and sickness will be driven out. If you release your faith before you come, but no later than when I touch you. Let that be the last possible moment. A lot of people, they wait till that touch. And at that moment, they release and they say, I receive. In their hearts, they say, I receive. And that power will come out and it will go in. A little while ago, and I'll end with this, I was thinking about, you know, there's been hundreds and literally thousands all the years, 31 years preaching. There's a lot of people that have been healed. I, I, I I can't, you know, I guess I should have written some of them down, honey, over the years. But some of the highlights, some of the distinct ones that really had an impression on me remain with me today. Although there's been hundreds of them that maybe have been legitimate, but not necessarily as dramatic. And I was thinking about that ex-witch in India who was dying of malaria, and and she was the witch in the village, and everybody was scared of her. And she would curse people, and they'd die. And then she got born again, and she's the only person born again in her village. And that they scared of her, now they hate her because she's a threat to their Buddhism and and, and all their, 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 their stuff that they believe in. Hinduism not Buddhism Hinduism and they're a threat to them so her husband turns against her her children turn against her they won't help her they won't talk to her she has to live in her own separate little hut she's the only Christian in that place the malaria comes through everybody in the village contacts contracts it there's people dying everywhere in those areas six hours from any major you know what it's like pastor happy when you get serious diseases there is no medical help you die the, the, the pandemic or epidemic, whatever you want to call it, was so serious when I went in there that the doctors from the government and from Christian organizations like YWAM had flown in with emergency supplies to help because of this malaria epidemic going right through all those villages. Thousands of people were dying and it was so serious. They looked like with hazmat suits. You know what those hazmat suits look like? those doctors were dressed in those suits and the mosquitoes somehow were getting through the suits and the doctors were catching malaria. And so they were airlifting out all the medical emergency help from those villages because the government was so afraid this was one of the worst malaria pandemics I've ever seen. And so they, ca- they called me and they said, are you sure you should go? Because you are putting your life in your hands. And I said, I, I said Lord, what? I don't want to be stupid. Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm 20 years old. What do you want me to do? 21 years old, I guess. And he said to me, he said, you go. I said, I'm with you. You go. So I went without any, without any, you know, inoculations, without any pills, without any protective gear, without anything like that. And I'm in a zone. And you got to i will be honest with you. My thoughts are constantly going to, you know, is there anything on me? Is there anything on me? But I realized after a while, there's so many mosquitoes everywhere. You can't, unless I'm gonna live in a bubble, I, I can't really worry about that. And so I just said, Lord, you asked me to come. The doctors are, are, are being helivacked out because they're dying. And le- here I am, a little Canadian with no medical experience, but I have life. Yeah. Amen. I may not have all the education and I may not have all the fancy gadgets, but I've got something called life. And life comes out of me. And life comes through my pores. And I said, God, because I remember that John Lake held the bubonic plague in his hand. And life came out of his hand and killed the germs under the microscope. And I said, Father, I'm no John Lake. But if you don't help me, I'll die. So you asked me to come. You have to help me. I said, let life come out of my pores so that when they bite me, that malaria disease will die upon contact with my skin. And I walked village to village to village in 130 degree temperatures all day, all day, ministering to people, ministering to people. And one lady came and she was crying and she was holding a little baby about six, seven months old. And she's crying. And the translator said, the baby has 108 fever. Do you even know that that's possible to have 108 fever? The baby will be dead in less than 30 minutes they said the baby was already unconscious the woman is crying she hands the baby she holds the baby out to me and she says to the translator i heard you say that jesus has power does he have enough power for this and i start to cry because the compassion of god came on me and i laid my hands upon that child and i cursed that that virus i cursed that heat I cursed it in Jesus' name and commanded it to leave his that fever to leave. Remember, Jesus stood over Peter, mother-in-law, and the Bible says he rebuked the fever, and the fever left her. And I rebuked that fever, and I started going down the aisle to the next person because there were so many people that were on the verge of death. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, Go back. And I went back and he said, Touch that child's skin. I mean, I had touched when I laid hands, it was like a hot cup of tea. And he said, Now touch that child again. I mean, this is 20 seconds later, maybe less than 20 seconds, and I touched that little baby's forehead, and it was as cool. as my forehead God took a temperature from 108 down to 96 or 7 whatever our normal temperature, in a matter of seconds that baby opened its eyes came out of that comatose state began to cry the mother's crying I'm crying and she runs off with that baby wouldn't not didn't even say thank you and I saw that over and over and over and over and over hundreds of people every village And then I'm tired and I want to go back to my cement slab because I don't have even a sleeping bag. I'm sleeping on a cement floor. I've got my jacket as my pillow because they don't have anything there. They're as poor as you can possibly imagine. I'm so tired. I'm so worn out physically after 12, 14 hours of going village to village in that heat. And I said, please let me go. And the man, Sue Aubrey with me, who was our guide, he said, one more village. I said, no more village. He said, one more village. I said, no more village. He said, one more village. God says, one more village. Pastor Craig, please, one more village. I said, okay, and we're going. And there are tigers, wild tigers in that area, literally like it's in the middle of the jungle. There's signs with tigers that says, do not open your doors. Because I asked them, what does that sign say? And they said, you don't wanna know. I said, I see a picture of a tiger, what does it say? It says, do not open your doors. There are wild tigers that like to eat people in this area. So she's out there. She crawled all day. Jesus appeared to her and he said to her, in three days, three pastors and a pastor's wife will come. She's dying of malaria. One of them will lay his hands upon you and I will heal you. So for the second day, she, that was the first day. She waited. The second day, she waited. He said, in three days. On the third day at dawn, she's so weak, she can't walk. Nobody will help her. They all hate her in the village. She crawled on her belly through the dust with every bit of strength that she had. And it was about, I don't know, 300 meters to where that gate was, about that distance. And took her all day in the 130 degree sun. While I'm ministering, she's crawling. She gets, she crawls through the gate. They lock the gate behind her because they don't want to help her. She's on the other side of the gate looking down the path into the jungle. She's leaning against the gate because she has no strength left. And she's waiting, and it is now dark. But Jesus appeared to her and told her in three days, three pastors and a pastor's wife will come. The main pastor got sick, so his wife came instead of him. And there was me and Aubrey as our lead pastor who runs that whole region and another pastor from Assyria not from Syria, Lebanon. A Lebanese pastor was there with us who used to be part of Hamas. He was a terrorist and Jesus saved him and he got filled with the Holy Ghost and he was in India preaching the gospel as an ex-Hamas leader. So he was with me and Aubrey was with me and I'm there, three pastors, and the main pastor's wife because he was sick in bed. And we showed up and she looks and she counts one, two, three. And she says, blah, 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 in, in their language. And so Aubrey says, he's crying, she's crying. And he looks at me and he says, this lady used to be the ex-witch. She's the only convert in this, in this place. I didn't know she was dying of malaria. But Jesus appeared to her three days ago. And he said three would come with a wife. One would lay hands. And when they lay hands, that she would be healed. And she's been waiting. And she would be waiting all night. Those animals would have probably gotten her yeah. that night. Yeah. And she's been waiting and I started crying, realized how carnal I was that I told him I didn't want to go to any more villages. And so I said, well, brother, who do you want? And he says, well, you're the you're the, the main person here, Pastor Craig. I think you should be the one to pray. So I walked over to her and I said to her through the translator, through Aubrey, I said, my sister, I said, Jesus said that I would come and I would pray for you. I said, I am here and I have power in my hand to curse that malaria and it will die. I said, can I have your permission to lay my hands upon you? And she looked at me. I remember, I'll never forget it. I remember it like it was yesterday. She had her hands to her side. Her head was leaning back on that gate. She could barely speak. She was so weak. And she whispered. She couldn't even speak with a normal voice. She whispered like, Who is it? Like, like that. And he knelt down so that his ear could listen to what she was saying. And she said in her language, tell him not his hand. I'm thinking, why not my hand? Don't waste your hand. Give me one finger. One finger will heal me. And when he said that to me, I felt like Jesus that said, Woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee according to thy faith. And I said to her, I'll never forget it Jenny I took my index on my right hand and I held it over her forehead she's looking up I said close your eyes sweetheart I said the power of God is about to go in you and heal you and I said according to your faith I say in the name of Jesus I curse this malaria and I command it to leave your body and I say I say be healed and I just lightly tapped her on and some kind of power I don't know what it is but it came through my arm down my hand and out of my finger it shocked me and it shocked her and she jumped like that power went into her into her forehead Amen. she jumped like that like instantly and I looked at her and I'm, and I'm looking at Aubrey and I'm looking at her, and within 30 seconds she launched up remember she can't even speak she's wow. so weak yeah. she launched up jumped up Started jumping and screaming and dumping and dancing and she's dancing around the truck and she's grabbing me And I'm dancing with her and we're crying and we're laughing and we're dancing and she says Jesus healed me I'm still tired I want to go and Aubrey says you cannot insult her. I said, I don't care if I insult her. I'm tired He said pastor Craig you cannot She says, you must come to my hut. I make you food. I make you chapatis. I was in the mood for chapatis. I'll be honest with you. I'm hungry. (laughs) We walk all that way to her little hut, and she comes in there, and she says, Pastor Craig, through the drive, you sit here. This is the seat I worshiped Satan in. (laughs) This is the honored seat, because she's now dedicated it to Jesus and I sat down in Jesus's seat. Then she brought me cups and she said, this is the goblet I killed the sacrifices and poured their blood as I worship the devil. But this cup belongs to Jesus. You drink from this cup. And she would pour me this, I don't know what it was, but I didn't ask. Because it didn't taste very good, but that's what they drink. And she fired up that stove and she got the, we just sat there for about half an hour, just talking to her while she's cooking. And then she presents me the food and she gives me the utensils. She says, this is the knife that I cut the necks for the sacrifices to the devil. She did. She said, you use this knife. This is Jesus's knife. And I took that knife all those things that she used for witchcraft and I cut and I ate and we ate into the night and we laughed and we sang to Jesus and we praised him and I left and I waved her and I said I don't know if I'll see you again but I'll see you in heaven. I said Jesus has healed you. I said don't be discouraged my sister. You're the only one in this village but when they see what Jesus has done many more will be saved. And I've, I thought about that story, Jenny, a little while ago, a short time ago, in the, in the, slowly in the detail of it, like I shared it tonight. And the Lord said to me something. He said, your anointing, he's talking about me, your anointing has not diminished. He said, in fact, your anointing is stronger today than it was on that day in the jungles of India. And, and he said, have you noticed why there is not as many miracles? And instantaneous healings. I said, I'm wondering that same question myself, Lord. He said, your anointing is not diminished. He said, the people's faith have diminished. That little lady, hardly knowing anything, released every ounce of faith and desperation that she had. And her faith connected to the power of God in my life and it produced an instantaneous miracle of healing. It's not that the anointing is less today. It's that people's faith is less today because you have more confidence in the chiropractor than you do the anointing of healing power. You have more confidence in the, in the oncologist than you do in the anointing of healing power. If you were in a village where you didn't have an oncologist and it was a death sentence, you would believe more. But, you, but the, the real test is, can you believe more with your oncologist in our first world nation? Because the more that we believe, the more we say, not one hand, just one finger. The more our faith soars, that we believe that the life of God, which has become light to us, and now that life is going to go into us, and we believe it with all our hearts, the more darkness and sickness will be eradicated from our lives. It's not that my anointing is less, it's that the people's faith is less. So I challenge you tonight, whether you're part of my church or whether you're a visitor, I'm not special. The anointing of God is special, but he did put an anointing on me. I would find people would be healed, Taylor, when I would pray for them when I was a young teenager and I couldn't quite understand. And then a heat would start to come in my hand and I would do this to try to get it off because I didn't know what, what, why is my hand so hot. And for years I didn't understand it. I didn't tell anybody because I was afraid until Dr. Dufresne told to me one day in a service and he said, stand up, son. And he said, you know that heat that comes in your right hand? I said, yes, sir. He said, that same heat comes into my hand. And he said, that's the anointing of healing power. That's a tangible anointing that God has given you. And you've already seen it work, but it's going to increase. And that was years after the ex-witch. He said, it's going to increase. That's right. Two years ago, Pastor Nancy called me out and took my right hand. And she said, that tangible anointing in your right hand, it's going to increase, not just healings, but miracles. That was a long time since that ex-witch. The anointing in my hand is increasing. If it's not working, it's not my fault. It's the people that won't believe because Jesus could not do mighty works because their unbelief, Mark chapter 6, verse 6. But where they believed, he did great works. Where they didn't believe, he couldn't do great works because the anointing only works when you believe. Gifts will work whether you believe or not, but I don't control when they happen. The man at the pool of Bethesda, (laughs) that was a gift of healing. Jesus didn't preach. Jesus didn't teach. Jesus didn't encourage him. Jesus just walked up to him and said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. He got up, healed, and Jesus walked off leaving five porches full of sick folk because the Holy Spirit sent him to one man on a mission with a gift of the Spirit. It didn't matter if that man believed or not because God targeted him. It didn't matter if Naaman the Syrian Because there was a miracle that happened if you just dip. Remember, he had a bad attitude, but he just obeyed and God healed him because it was a gift through the prophet Elisha. Remember the widow, the widow, Elijah had to go to the widow and raise her child up. But God, he didn't raise up every child. He went to one that God led him to one. And and, and it wouldn't have mattered if she believed or not. That gift operated. When the gifts are operating, you're in the clear. But the thing is, you don't know if the gifts are going to operate or not unsaved people, baby Christians, God will operate a lot for them because of mercy because he knows they know nothing. But mature believers that have said into the word, those gifts do not operate as frequently. And Kenneth Hagin always told us that, didn't he, Reverend Greg? But that faith in the people, the faith in the people, faith in people will unlock that anointing of healing power. You don't need a gift of the spirit. You don't need that. You just have to say, I believe. Let that healing virtue, Lord Jesus, come out of him and into me. We are not putting a person, but when up on a pedestal, but when Jesus met, when Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen September second, 1950, he told him, you must tell people that I appear to you. you must tell them that I put the index of my finger or my right hand into the palms of your hands. You must tell them that fire came into your hands. you must tell them there's a tangible healing anointing if you tell them they'll believe see. Dad Hagen didn't want to be lifting himself up, but he had to tell people, I'm anointed. Yes, right. Jesus was not proudful. He was perfect, but he told people, I'm anointed. Amen. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I know I'm nothing. I'm trying to tell you I'm anointed. If you can believe, you will be healed tonight. I don't care whether it's cancer, deformed hearts, lung conditions, loss of hair, whether it's a miracle of healing, whether it's a regular healing, whether you need a creative healing. It doesn't matter to God if you can believe. If God can do that for that ex-witch, he can do it for you. The only difference between you and her. It's not the country you live in or how much money you have or how much education you have because she had less than all of you. It just simply, do you believe? If you believe, it will work for you. Life will come in because light has come to you tonight. Let the life of God come. Praise God.